Evening. Good to see you. Good to be here. Uh, man, I, I've looked uh, forward to this. Janet and I have uh, really looked forward to being here. We always love to come uh, and uh, be with you folks. Y- y'all have been so kind and gracious to us. And uh, I just love being around Shane and Miriam and uh, Brother David and Miss David. I appreciate them so much. And uh, I do. David and I look so much alike, and uh, we've got a lot in common, so love him very, very much. And uh, you folks are so gracious. Uh, I was here, I believe it was last time or time before, somebody gave me some peanuts. Y'all got the best peanuts of any place in America. I just want you to know that. And if you want to give me some more, <laughs> I would appreciate it. Amen. That's what you call in Mississippi, just begging, amen? <laughs> but that was, that was good. I appreciate, I appreciate that so much. We are talking this week about victory. Uh, it is the life of every believer. Victory is not something that is reserved for certain people, certain Christians. It is for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Now remember that when you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, at the moment you receive him as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit births you into the family of God. Holy Spirit is the birthing agent. And the Holy Spirit births you into the family of God And then he comes and he literally takes up residence in your body. Paul told the Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, I told you yesterday that one believer does not have a greater measure of the Holy Spirit than another believer. Now, y'all don't mind me getting down here, do you? Okay, all right. I hope it doesn't bother you. I just like getting down here amongst y'all, okay? But I do this at church all the time, so that's just part of me, all right? But there are people today, because we are so influenced by the standards of the world, we are affected by the standards that the world sets. And so what we do is we gauge a lot of spiritual matters by worldly standards. And you can't do that. What we have done is we we are secularizing the spiritual and spiritualizing the secular. And people are saying, well, you know, this person's more spiritual, this person has more of God, this person... No, 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 no. It takes the same blood of Jesus to save every person. Every person. We're all saved the same way. Holy Spirit comes and resides and indwells every born-again believer. Every believer has been baptized by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. It also says that we were all baptized 
into one body. In the original Greek, that literally reads that we were all once and for all baptized into one body. In other words, it happens at the new birth. We're baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there is one baptism, but there are many fillings. Someone asked D.L. Moody one time, Mr. Moody, why do you pray every time we hear you pray? And you're talking to God, you ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Why? He said, because I leak. I don't know many Christians that don't leak, amen? You see, if you're going to have a victorious life, you have to walk in obedience to God, and you have to live yielded to the Holy Spirit. Now, we talked about yesterday how that God brought Joshua, and he is a picture of Jesus. He is... He is the captain of our salvation. Now remember, it's emphasized that Moses is dead. Who did Moses represent? Moses represented the law. And the law condemns us. The law makes us sinners. But Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And so what we have here is a picture of God bringing the people out of bondage, out of Egypt, salvation, but yet they flounder in the wilderness. That was not the perfect will of God. God could have took them the short way, but remember Exodus 17, He took them the long way around because sometimes God does that. God knows what you and I can handle. God knows what we are ready for, what we're not ready for. And so God took them the long way around, but they still got across the river. That's, that's what we need to emphasize. Now, we have come to the place last night where they come to the Jordan. Now, remember that the Jordan River symbolizes death. It symbolizes death. We, we think about crossing Jordan. Uh, we remember the old song we'd sing at baptism, On Jordan's stormy banks I stand. It's a picture of, of what's baptism a symbol of, of death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. We have died, been buried, covered up, but been raised to a new life in Jesus. See, every time you baptize somebody, it preaches the gospel. Now listen. They are brought to this place that they have no idea how they're going to get across. They, they, they can't deal with it. And ladies and gentlemen, the matter of death cannot be dealt with by humanity. It can't. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Satan has not raised his wages in 6,000 years. He's still paying off in debt. Spiritual separation from God. So, there had to be a payment. God is holy. And people say, God is love. Yes, God is love. But don't you understand something? You can't have God's love without God's wrath. 
You can't have a positive without a negative. You can't have an up without a down or an in without an out. That's just a fact. But what we do, we try to take things and we compartmentalize things. And there are a lot of people who say, well, you know, God just loves us. But yes, God does love us. But sin had to be paid for because God is not only a God of love, but God is also a God of righteousness and judgment, justice and holiness. And so Jesus went into the Jordan for us. Jesus dealt with the death issue. What's our greatest issues? Death, hell, and the grave. Death, hell, and the grave. Jesus got all that straightened out. Do you know that? He did. You say, what does that have to do with what we're going to study tonight? What I'm bringing you to at this point is they are at the Jordan, impossible situation. They are observing their difficulty. God's separating them. There's a time of reflection with themselves. They've got to get with the Lord. God's doing some work and cleaning them. They, there's got to be sanctification. And so this brings us to our third passage. And that is something happens here that is monumental. What happens tonight, what we're going to deal with tonight changes everything. Everything. Let's see what it says. Joshua chapter 3. Now remember, chapter 2, the spies have gone over, the two guys went over. Rahab, she, she has already assured them, you know what? <laughs> we, I, we, I know who your God is. We know what's going to happen. We see how God redeemed her. The Bible says that that we're saved by grace through faith. You know what? Here, here's this lady right here in the Old Testament. Uh, there's grace, ladies and gentlemen. These people talk about that the Old Testament's not relevant today. They need to read it. Uh, this, this, my Bible's connected. Y'all know that? It's connected. And so understanding here, God has given grace, and they come back, and now at chapter 3, look at verse 3. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, that's Jehovah, your God, Elohim, Jehovah, God of the covenant, Elohim, God of creation. He said, look, look now, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Now look what he says in verse 13. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters of that come down from above. In other words, he's saying they're going to stop. And they shall stand upon a heap. Now look at verse 17. And the priest that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm. You need to underline that. 
firm. It wasn't muddy. It wasn't slippery. They stood firm on dry ground. How'd that happen? God did it. God did it. In the midst of Jordan, in the midst of a flooded river, they stand firm on dry ground. And all the Israelites, and all, it says, all the Israelites passed over on, there it is again, dry ground, until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Think about this. Can, can you imagine this sight? You're talking about two million people standing at the edge of the Jordan. You've got all of the seven nations of pagans in the land of Canaan. They know the Israelites are there. They know, they know, they know. Rahab's already let the spies know we know. We've heard. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We've heard about God. We've heard of, your God is the true and the living God. We've heard. Can you imagine the sight of all those people standing? Now remember, the Jordan River is out of its bank. It is a raging torrent. Anybody in their right mind would not get in there. Why? Because you'll drown. It'll sweep you away. But God says, you're going to go across. Now think about this. Why did not they go across? Why had they not possessed the land until now? What was the problem? They entered not because of what? Unbelief. They did not believe. Why are people lost? Because they don't believe. They don't believe. You see, the sin of unbelief is a sin. That's the sin that's going to send people to hell. But they don't believe. Now listen. Who are these people? Don't you think about this. If you go back and you'll read, go back in numbers, you go back and see what all happened here, and Joshua and Caleb, I believe it's chapter 13, they, they brought back the, the good report, the ten bought, brought the bad report. And, and one of the things they kept talking about was this. We're like grasshoppers in their sight, they're giants over there, and we're really concerned about our little ones, our babies, our children. Guess who's about to go across the river? What do babies and children grow up to be? Adults, right. They grow up to be adults. The very people they were afraid could not go into the land is the very ones that God's going to take into the land. Now, what happened to all those people who didn't believe? Now, this is going to be hard to wrap your mind around because when I first thought, this is hard to comprehend. They're standing at the Jordan. Jordan 
symbolizes death. These people, most of them were born in the wilderness. They heard about the Red Sea. They heard about God opening the river of the Red Sea and them going. They heard about all of this. They saw the pillar of cloud by day. They saw the pillar of fire by night. They had seen this, but they had never experienced for themselves the delivering power of Jehovah Elohim. They'd heard about it, but they'd never seen it. They heard about the Red Sea, but that was mom and dad and granddaddy. What happened to all those people? The Bible said for 40 years, what happened? A generation is usually from 40 to 60 years. Do you know what happened? The Bible said that no one, God said no one 20 years old and up is going to go in. They're going to die. Only Joshua and Caleb is going to go in. Now, Joshua and Caleb at this point in their 80s. Matter of fact, we know that, that, that Caleb, when he was conquering Hebron, was 86 years old. He was whipping folks. 86 years old. Man. Now, think about this. What was going on during those 40 years? What was it that those babies, those children, dealt with for 40 years and all they had seen for 40 years? You know what was going on, ladies and gentlemen? If you will look at this and do a little math, you'll find out something that will blow your mind. Do you know what was going on? Every day for 40 solid years, it says, and they died. There's around 300 funerals a day. Well, that's some kind of life, isn't it? 300 a day for 40 years. That's pretty depressing, isn't it? But God told them. You don't want my life. You don't want what I want to give to you. You're going to stay here. And there's some people that will die in the wilderness. There's some churches that are going to die in the wilderness. Folks, we are in a mess in our country today. And let me tell you whose fault it is. We, we can blame all kinds. I'm going to tell you whose fault it is. It's my fault. And it's your fault. It's the church. We have not made a difference. We've let the world make a difference in us. And most of the difficulties in our churches have nothing to do with the Bible. They have all to do with our personal preferences. I told our people, I don't care if you paint this place neon green or if I have to preach out there in the, out on the carport. I don't care just as long as we can tell people how to go to heaven. That's why we're here. It is not about me, and it's not about you. How did God tell me the other day? And we Listen, they, they built this building that we have. I don't know. I'm not an engineer, but I do have some common sense. They, they've got 18 different units in that one building. So you'll be over here, and you'll be freezing. You'll be over there and burning up. You'll be up here, and you'll be getting a tan. You'll be back there, and you'll be seeing it snow. And there's people everywhere. And I had one guy, he said, well, I'm just, I said, bring you a blanket. <laughs> just bring you a blanket. People going to hell. I can't come. 
coat. We'll get you a blanket. I told somebody, we'll bring you some firewood. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, we don't want any little boy, any little girl, any man, any woman die and go to hell. Because I didn't like something. So they died. Now they're at the Jordan. Well, what are they dealing with? They've been dealing with death 40 years, and now they're at the Jordan River, and guess what's going to happen? Common sense says, we walk off in that, we're going to be dead too. But let me tell you something. The events of a single day can change your life forever. Do you know that? The events of a single day. Getting married. Y'all do remember that, don't you? Hmm? Think hard. You remember when you got married? I told some of our people the other day. Uh, I, listen, folks, and if you're watching from home, pastor says this. I, I do weddings, but I'm gonna, you're going to got to go through counseling. We're, you know, I've, I've told people you don't need to get married. You know, I've, I've had to make it to two sessions. That's the end of it. I'm serious. I'm serious. They said, well, we just, we just love each other. We just, we're going to live off of love. I said, you're going to starve to death. <laughs> Get a job. Yeah. Goodness knows. I like preaching here. Oh, y'all are fun to preach to. Well, listen. They're at this place that they're looking at death, but something's going to happen. Single events of a day can happen. Getting married, having a baby. Amen? Having a baby. Our oldest son is 38. He was an infant. He was a baby. We pastored a church, a little church, around about 40. I was going to school. I was pastoring that church. I was working on a dairy farm. I was hauling pulpwood. I was doing anything I could to try to take care of my family. And I am so tired. I'm trying to help my wife, and I'm not any help. I kept thinking I was going to break him. I, I just, you know. And so I'll never forget, one night, Janet had fed him. She said, Danny, she said, will you put Justin back in the bassinet? I said, sure. And so I got him, and I remember I was doing like this, real, real slow. And I'm just going along, and all of a sudden I heard her say, Danny? I said, yes. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm putting the baby back in the bassinet. She said, no, you're not. I said, the baby's over here. That's your pillow. Man, that little boy changed our life, amen? That grandbaby's changed our life, yeah. You know, listen, folks, something can occur that can change your life forever, either for, for, for the good or, or it, can, it can be difficult. So what's happened here is going to change their life forever. Now, what's that? They've been wandering for 40 years. 
but now they're going to move into Canaan. What's going to be different on this day? They've dealt with frustration. They've dealt with reproach. They've dealt with sorrow, with heartache, with sin, with disappointment. What is special about this day? What happens? The key figure, the key fig figure in this passage of Scripture is a piece of furniture. It's about like this. It's made out of acacia wood. It is overlaid with gold. It is holy. It was only to be moved on the arcs of the sanctified priests and Levites. Nobody else could do that. If you touched it, you would die. You see, that little box called the Ark of the Covenant was representative of the presence of God among His people. It had been with the people of God ever since God had given Moses the instructions on Sinai how to build it, and they had constructed this, and it was placed in the movable tabernacle, in the, in the tent of meeting, in the tabernacle, and there... Over the tabernacle, over the Ark of the Covenant, rested the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And what that symbolized, that tent was in the midst of the people. And when they looked out and they saw that tent and they saw that cloud or they saw that pillar of fire, they knew that God was among them. But something happens today. Until this day, the ark was in their midst. Now, the ark is going to be their key to, the vic to victory. Why? Because it's a picture of Jesus. He is our victory. You see, the acacia wood, that wood speaks of hu his humanity. But the gold speaks of his deity. That God became man. And that God did for you and for me what we could not do. And so who goes down into the river of death? Who goes down into the river of judgment? Who goes first? God does. That day, the ark was moved from the midst of the people to the head of the people. Now, this is the important key of the whole study. If all of us are saved the same, all of us are baptized by the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion. All of us are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. That we are to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit day by day under the control of the Holy Spirit. Then why is it there's some people that are moving on with God, walking in the power of God, and they are having victory after victory after victory. And here's this person over here that they're saved, but they're, they're not having any victory. There's no joy. They've lost the wonder of who he is. What's going on? What's the difference? The difference is the position of the possession. They had possessed the ark for years. But today something happens. From being in their midst, God is going to be at their head. And you read and study the Word of God, it says, and the Lord God goes before us. 
God goes before us. Let me tell you what God will do. God lets you fight your battle or either he'll fight it for you. Now think about this. How many battles have God lost? How many have we lost? Let God fight the battle. You understand? When the devil knocks on the door of your life, you let Jesus answer it. So what happens, they bring that ark to that place that the position of the ark is going to change. And then what does God tell them? God tells them, you follow the ark. You don't follow the, you don't follow, the priests have it. The Levites, yeah. You don't follow them. You keep your eyes on the ark. We got too many people following people. You see, what happens here, it's not so much the possession of Christ, but it is the position of Christ that guarantees victory. We talk about Jesus first. We talk about His Lordship. We, we talk about living submissive to Him. We talk about it, but is that happening? Is it happening daily in our lives practically? How does that happen? You see, what we learn as Lord Jesus, Jesus is our door to unclaimed possessions. Half a, half a millennium, 500 years they'd owned this land. God gave it to Abraham. They had not set one foot in it until they did what? They obeyed God. They followed God. God blesses obedience. God blesses obedience. Say that with me. God blesses obedience. And so what happens here is that they had to follow the ark. The ark was the door to the land of Canaan. The ark was the door to victory. Jesus is the door for our victory. The residing, the reigning, and the release power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, physical growth, physical growth is learning how to use what you get at birth. Now think about it. Physical growth is learning how to use what you get at birth. You know, have you ever watched, you ever watched a baby uh, that was crawling? They start crawling, and, and, and then they get somewhere, and they pull up for the first time. You ever see, I've watched my grandson. That's a, my grandson. That's the neatest thing. He pull up, and he's just doing like this. And he's looking down, and like, where do these come from? Wow. And then they start walking. And then they start running. And then you got problems. Hmm? Yeah. Man, little boys are like that. Man, my boys, they'd get into everything. One of them got in a dryer one day. I tell you what, just, yeah. Thank God his brother didn't turn him on. But, I mean, they'd get in the cabinets just, just crawling and running. and They learned how to use what they got at birth. We didn't have to say, okay, let's see, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a year, uh, it's eight months. Let's go down to the doctor and get their legs put on. We didn't have to do that. Why? Because they came equip, equipped with it. 
You see, that's all physical growth is, is learning how to use what you got at birth. You know, same thing's true spiritual growth. You got everything. I got everything we needed when we got saved. God doesn't save us in installments. He doesn't save us by osmosis. It's once and for all, one time, birth in the family of God. God gives you everything you need to live the kind of life that's going to bring honor and glory to Him. And that's why we're on the planet, to bring glory to the Lamb. It's about Him. So are we bringing glory to Him? See, who's going to be glorified in this? Who's going to receive the glory? God does. What happens? Oh, this is getting good now. They had to keep the ark in focus about 400, 300, 400 yards in front of them. It was every person's responsibility to look at the ark. You couldn't say, hey, I, I got would you look at the ark for me? Mm-mm. It is your responsibility. Every Israelite had to keep their eyes on the ark. Why? Because they had to make sure they were following God. That ark is the presence of God, represents the presence of God. Now, what happened? That's a lot of people, amen? The priests go down into the Jordan, and immediately the Jordan stops flowing. That water that's moving goes away, the water here stands up. The Bible says it backed up all the way to the city of Adam, and that was roughly between 16 to 20 miles, and that's a picture of God stopping judgment, hallelujah, all the way back to Adam's sin. He dealt with it at the cross. And I believe it was dusty, dusty dry. And those guys are standing there without an ark, Joshua says, come on. And they start walking. And they're walking, looking at that water. I heard Granddaddy talk about this. My soul. My goodness, I can't wait. I can't wait to tell my kids about this. Or my grandchildren. I'm sure, I, I'm sure somebody did this. You see all them fish swimming through there? Like the aquarium, you know? And I'm sure somebody said, like jello that's God see God stopped the judgment see God's so good we've got a group of people today in this country that have been reared up with a entitlement mentality that run around screaming give me what I deserve give me what I deserve and I'm going to tell you this preacher stands here tonight and tells you on the authority of the word of God I don't want what I deserve because if I get what I deserve I'd go to hell I just want to tell you I thank God for his grace and his mercy that I met Jesus and he he saved me and he stopped the river of judgment in my life they went across they went across but they had to keep their eye on the ark. You see, you, you better. we've got people today following people. I don't want anybody following me. No siree. I tell my folks, every good pastor is trying to work himself out of a job. I'm training people. You train people, you trust people, and let them do their job. I told somebody one day, I said, hey, if I have to do your job, I don't need you. 
you, you need to go somewhere else. Just do what you're supposed to do. I don't micromanage. You know why? Because I'm not God. The Holy Spirit handles things well, and He'll take care of it. What He expects me to do is to lead the people according to the Word of God and to be faithful to preach this book and to stand upon this book. And you better thank God that you have a pastor that will do that and a staff that loves you that believe this book and this man is leading you because I'm telling you, folks, cookie-cutter preachers are a dime a dozen, but men of God are getting hard to find. Now listen, y'all not listening fast enough. Y'all like my people on Wednesday night. I said, y'all just, I'll get the two words and then we'll have to stop. I get so carried away. I love to preach. I can't help it. I'd preach at a Tupperware party. I would. I love it. You got to be careful who you follow because not everybody's going where you where you going? Now, ladies, y'all help me now, okay? Y'all help me with this. You ever been going somewhere with your husband? And you know, you know he's lost. You know he knows he doesn't know where he's going. You know that. You, you, you have enough common sense. You know that. But he keeps going. And you ever said this, why don't you just stop and ask somebody? There's a store right here. Stop and ask. Wait a minute. That guy right there, I think he, he, let's follow him. I believe he knows where he's going. Yeah, did I get a witness? Yeah. And he guns it, boy. Let me tell you, the greatest illustration I ever heard about this happened years and years ago. A guy told me this, and I have told it all over America. Do y'all know what the Senior Bowl is? You know the Senior Bowl? It takes place in Mobile, Alabama, and it's a really big deal. And the seniors come that's picked, and pro scouts are there, and it's just it's a really big deal about where they're going to, if they're going to play ball. So this guy was preaching at Mobile. He told me this story. He said, he said preacher, said, you ain't going to believe this. He said, I learned the hard way that not everybody's going the same place. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, it was the Senior Bowl day, and I was taking my son. My son and I, we were going to the senior bowl. And he said, I was so excited. It's going to be my son and myself. I'm taking to his first senior bowl. Man, we're going to have a great day that day, to the dad and son. And he said, man, I'm just so excited. And said we got out there, and the traffic was horrendous. He said we were just going up and stopping, going up and stopping. And he said it went on and on and on. And he said, we're going along. And so you can see the stadium afar off, and you're thinking, we're not even going to get there. My goodness, the game's going to be half over before we even get there. And he said, they're going along, and he said, all of a sudden, he sees this guy in front of him do this. He turns down a little side road, and he said, it went off in my mind. Yes! Short cut. This guy knows something nobody else knows, and he said, buddy, I took off right after him. He said, man, he went down this way, and then he turned back toward the stadium. He said, I could see the stadium, and he said, we kept getting closer and closer. He said, I was telling my son, yeah, yeah, we're going to get there. We're going to be there. We're going to get to see the pregame. We're going to be there, and all these people are going to be sitting out here in the traffic. Yeah. He said, man, I'm following him. He said, you can see the stadium getting closer. 
and said we're riding down the street and said all of a sudden the guy turns up into his driveway. <laughs> and he said, preacher, me and my boy just pulled up on the curb right there in front of that guy's house and said he gets out of his car and he just looks at us and the line of cars of other men <laughs> who were following us. And he said, I learned the hard way that not everybody's going where you're going. You better keep your eye on Jesus. One more thing. He directs us. He, as he directs us over uncharted paths, we focus on him, keep our eyes on Jesus. But he also delivers us from unconquerable problems. Philip Brooks, the great preacher, said this, in every pew sits a broken heart. We're, we put our mask on when we come to church. We do. We do. And this is, folks, this place is a hospital. It's not a hotel. But yet we come to church and be, how you doing? Oh, I'm, we're doing really good. You're lying. You're lying. I mean, you have World War III before you get to church. Man, you got kids, you're slinging kids through the window and everything else, trying to get everybody there. And I mean, it's just chaos. You, you've almost come to blows. Getting a little down to, yeah. And then you drive up here on the holy ground and open the door. Hallelujah! We love God. We are so spiritual. You're lying. And there are people with broken hearts. We're afraid to tell each other our problems. You know why? Because we're afraid that somebody's going to think less of us than what we want them to. The Bible says confess our faults one to another. Pray for one another. Effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You see, folks, we need to be fixed, but we're waiting for everybody else to get fixed before we do. Because we're afraid of what somebody's going to think if I'm not doing well. Listen, folks, I tell my people all the time, we're just all messed up bunch of folks. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, the blood of Jesus, my soul, where would we be? We're trying to help each other. We're trying to encourage each other. And so what we, we learn from this, God, think about this. Did you know that when it came to passing through the water, God never in this book builds a bridge? Never. He either made a highway through it or he walked on it. Remember? Remember the disciples? The storm? They all woke up Jesus. Lord, don't you care? We're about to die. And Jesus walked up the front of that boat and said, Shh. And then the Bible said they were exceedingly fearful. One thing, one thing to be in the midst of the storm, another thing to have the God of the universe on the boat with you. Remember Peter? 
They were about to drown. There's Jesus, and Peter said, if that's you, Jesus, see, Peter kept his eye. He wanted to make sure who he was following. And he, he said, if that's you, can I come out there? Because, listen, you having a better time out there than we are in here. And Jesus said, come. Peter never walked on the water, ladies and gentlemen. He walked on the Word. And when did he start sinking? When he took his eyes off the Word. And so what we learn here is that God will make a way. All of us go through troubled waters. Everybody had to go through this. Nobody was exempt. But see, the good news is that's where God is. He said, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. I can tell you one thing, and I can tell you because I know this without a doubt. God is faithful. God is faithful. I went through cancer, prostate cancer, two and a half years ago. My wife's been sick 35 years, not taking care of her. She's not been able to work. Uh, she, we don't draw anything. It's just Jesus. And it's, she's not here tonight. She's having difficulties today. But I have learned more. From her and her love for God than all of the preaching and the seminaries and all of that, the books. I'm going to tell you this story we're going to close. Because there's somebody here right now that you're in a mess. There's somebody here you believe in Jesus, but you quit believing in you. And you're a child of God. And you have everything he told you. You've just quit believing. You quit believing who you are in Jesus. I felt that way. I felt that way. My wife was sick. I was trying to travel to preach. We've been pastoring since we were 19. I went into evangelism. I had one meeting, and it got canceled. Sold our car, most of our furniture. I got a sick wife and a three-year-old boy, and I have no place to live. So I move in with my mother-in-law and father-in-law. Now, that'll bless your heart. I thank God for them, but there's no house. I mean, it's tough. Didn't have anything. I preached a revival meeting. Led my agriculture teacher to the Lord. Led his son to the Lord. His wife to the Lord. Guy I played football with got saved. At the end of that meeting, I didn't have a place to preach. I never had a big, or like an organization thing. Or we just trusted God. The devil said, you're a fool. You, have, you don't have a place to live, you don't have a place to preach. You could be pre preach to several hundred people in the morning. And you left it. I said, God, 
I know you told me what to do, and you'd make a way. Lord, I, I need a place to live. We need a place for my family, and I need a place to preach. We had an acre of ground. It was a cornfield. wouldn't even corn in it. 11 o'clock that night, I got up from the corner of that cornfield where I'd been praying, and I started walking around that cornfield. God said, you give me everything but this. I gave it to him. God wants everything. You know, somebody calls and says, hey, we know it's real late. You think you could preach for us? I start to say, well, let me look at my calendar and see if I can work y'all in. And you know, I preached from then till now. I've pre been preaching. Averaged about 300 times a year. God's good. But my wife didn't get better. We prayed for her. I put her on steroids. Her hands would swell up. Her cuticles would burst open. We'd take Vaseline and rub her hands and put tube socks on and close her hands like this as she tried to go to sleep. I don't know what I've done if it hadn't been for my mother-in-law. She just went home to be with the Lord back in May. What a godly saint of God, my mother-in-law and father-in-law. I don't know what we've done without them. She helped take care of her while I was traveling. We prayed for her. We anointed her with oil. We did everything we needed to do. And she didn't get any better. She got worse. I preached on the street for two years. I, I had a cross. At 10 o'clock at night, I'd meet on Friday night. Now, I know y'all more cultured in Georgia than we are in Mississippi, but y'all might be able to understand what I'm talking about. But back then, kids would get up in parking lots and their trucks and cars, and they'd gather around and sit around and talk and other stuff. And so I'd just go out there and preach to them. We gave them Bibles and tracts. Man, I'd go right up there where they were. They'd be having a party, and I'd go right up in the middle of that cross. That's kind of unnerving. We saw hundreds of kids get saved in two years. Miracle after miracle taking place. Some people in our church right now are people who walk with me on the street. Started with nobody. One or two. And got up nearly 100 going out sharing Jesus on Friday night. But she listened. I had people get mad at me. I had preachers get mad at me. They got mad at me and said, well, you're not one of us. You're, you're a Pentecostal. You're crazy. You're doing all this weird stuff. And I had meetings started canceling. Preachers started canceling meetings on me because they started talking to each other and saying this. And they was afraid what their buddy was going to think if they had that crazy young preacher. My wife's sick, and I got down on my knees I'm in my study. And, folks, I know what it's like to cry until you can't cry anymore. And I cried, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And I said, God, I love you. I'm just trying, I'm just trying to do what you told me to do, Lord. And I don't understand. God, why are these people doing this? They're trying to put me out of business. And folks, I'm telling you something. When I said that, it's like God spoke to me just as clear and said this. Well, if they put you out of business, you're in the wrong business. And I took a piece of paper. 
And I wrote down on that piece of paper. I said, God, I'm nobody. Man, these people don't know me. I just want to preach. I want to tell people about you. Would you let me preach here, Lord? And I just started writing churches' names down on that list of paper. And I want you to know that I have preached in every one of those churches but one. You know who did that? God did. And those very men in our city that tried to put me out of business. I walked up in the football stadium one night and stood on a podium. There are thousands of people in that football field. And I preached the crusade. And when I stood up that night, God's Holy Spirit said, You see, you trust me. I'll make a way. And I'm telling you that God is faithful. She's still dealing with this. She's had 10 surgeries. We had six in the last 10 years. I'd go off and preach, and she'd been in the hospital. I'd come back and stay with the hospital. My youngest son was four. Oldest son was four. And I came home one night. God just said, you go stay with him. My mother-in-law stayed with my wife. Got him ready to go to bed. I was going to let him sleep with me. Got him in the bed. Turn the light off, and it is, you can't see nothing. Eyes not refocused, it's pitch black. Nobody's saying a word. And all of a sudden, I felt these little fingers going. I just lay there. And finally, I felt his whole little hand doing like this I just kept laying there and I said Justin he said sir I said son what are you doing and he almost cried but he didn't he said daddy I just want to make sure he was looking at me and God said Dan little boy is scared Mama's in the hospital. My daddy's gone a lot. And it's dark and I'm scared. But I can go to sleep. Because my daddy can see through the dark. And David says that the darkness is his light to thee, O God. And I want to tell you something. If God will do that in my life, Whatever's going on with you, God can take care of it. Focus on Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. And honor Jesus. If you don't know him tonight, trust him. If you do know him, make sure that when you leave here, that you got your eyes on him. Let's stand our feet. Bow our heads and close our eyes. Pastor and staff's going to come. Thank you for being kind. I went along. Thank you for being kind and patient. I'm going to pray for you. Phil's going to lead us. We're going to sing. Miss Mary's going to play. Altar's going to be open.
How long has it been since you just come to the altar and said, Lord, I want to thank you for saving me. I want to thank you. Forgive me for forgetting all the goodness. Maybe you need to come tonight and say, Pastor Shane, I want you to know I love you. I want you to know that I'm standing with you. I want you to know that I'm praying for you. Maybe you need to come and say, I need a fresh start, Pastor. Someone needs to come and be saved. Someone needs baptism. Maybe you need to get your family down here and pray. Father, in Jesus' name, oh, God, you're here. Oh, yes, Lord, you're here. And Father, we, we need you, Lord. God, we literally are captivated by your grace tonight. Oh, how you love us. God, would you please tonight? There's a man here, God, that's been a long time since they had the freshness of Jesus on their life. God, would you help him tonight? Would you help that woman that's gotten bitter and cold? God, there's somebody here that, God, they're so worn out fighting the battle that, God, they've about quit. Lord, would you help them tonight? Would you help Maysville tonight? God, would you, would you do a work tonight on these people that's given this time to come and study the Word of God? Father, we need you tonight. We have no hope, no help but you. God, I pray tonight that when we'd leave here, we would go in the strength of the Lord God and make mention of your righteousness and yours only. Thank you, God, for loving us. God, thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for putting up with us, God. Oh, God, please. You know the needs of this body. Would you do a work in this church and your people in Jesus' name? Amen. As we sing.